Infinity Bros Podcast, the only podcast that's perfectly balanced as all things should be. I am your host, Max Mosier, here. Grateful to have you on episode 93, wherever you're listening, however you're listening. Thanks for making this part of your podcast experience. Today, we are talking about Eternals, the newest MCU movie coming out with a slew of cast and characters. I'll talk about them later. But before we get into that, we want to make sure you're familiar with our characters. As I said before, I'm Max, and with me today is Infinity Bro Mark. Mark, welcome back. Hey, I am just eternally grateful that I made it back home. Now, before we introduce our next guest, Mark, tell the audience what you mean by that. That's a great plug. If we were going to commercial break, that would be a great plug. Buckle up, Infinity Bros Universe. On my way back from, I had to drive 33 minutes to the closest theater that had Eternals. Luckily, find out they have recliner seats, so like bonus, blah, blah, blah. I start, I count, movie's done, driving back home. I get about four minutes away from the next small town that I'll you know, have to go through before I get home. And, you know, middle country, pitch black. I just happen to look up and I see this, like, what looks like it's a comet, but I, I realize it's kind of moving too fast and it's not coming towards the earth or like you know at a you know more of a rounded path and it kind of like it's like this bluish or green white color it has like the streak and that's why i thought it was a comet but then it started slowing down and then just speeding up again it's and like all this still pretty fast when i say even slowing down and then it's just gone it like, it like looked like it went in like hyperspace and just was out of the view so did a straight you become, line. Okay. So did you become a Green Lantern today? I I wish I could have. I wish that was what I could confirm. I wish I was like I have, you know, blackest day, brightest day, whatever. I probably would have been given the red ring because that's what I would be destined to be. Um. But yeah, I wish I was a lantern right now. But you know, I'm a lot better than the four seconds of possibly seeing a UAP or UFO or whatever. But you know, and then you hit a deer. And then I hit a deer and again, um, had premonitions or, you know, three dreams this week thinking about hitting a deer. And I've had the privilege not hitting the deer out of, you know, 30 years of my life. And I hit like an eight point buck. And I'm glad I drove my big car, bigger car today and not the small Impala because who knows? Is This would just be a podcast with Max and our guest, LJ. That would have been fine. That would have been okay. But... <laughs> But we're just glad you made it here safe, Mark, to record today, and we're thankful that even though you didn't get the Green Lantern ring, that you're still here able to be part of the Infinity Bros Universe podcast of Eternals. But as you talked about, Mark, we have a special guest today from Geeks Under Grace. He's a dear friend of the podcast, a listener, and we've acquiesced with him in a couple other settings. I I did a podcast with him a year ago uh on on another uh what was the podcast we did lj whatever lj will tell us that but uh, lj lowry lj how you doing <laughs> doing great i'm glad to be on here it was a uh, nerd of godcast uh, we did a big p- podcast roundtable and it was awesome yeah but scott higo was on it so like for us here that was like it would we call it a big round table we'd call it a table with scott <laughs> at it and what the heck are you doing here scott so <laughs> there you go LJ, how you been, man? Been been good. I think last time I talked to you, like, I, I'm pretty sure it was, like, earlier in the year. I think 
I don't even know if COVID was a thing yet or not, or at least it was still fresh. Um, it's, it's been a while, but, um, yeah, been good. Um, just doing the usual, uh, writing reviews, streaming, podcasting. That's kind of, kind of what I do other than my normal day job. So, uh, that's, that's just kind of what I've been up to as we've been navigating these last crazy couple of years. So. Dude, that sounds like us too. Like we work, but like we would prefer to be streaming and podcasting all the time. I could get paid. Would I get paid for my real job? To do this? Streaming and podcasting? I do it every day. I would, you would see my face everywhere. <laughs> well, it, it, so LJ is going to be here. He's a dear friend. We're so pumped you're here, LJ. Hey, if you like LJ today, do me a huge favor. On the show notes, you're going to see a link to geeksundergrace.com. Check this website out. It looks great. And I'm not trying to be playing favorites, but the very first article is a Kingdom Hearts article. <laughs> yes. So I think that's worth it for every for our audience. And there, you, the collective eye roll you just heard from our audience, we're going to ignore it. But I just want you to know that as it's, 11, it's November 5th, <laughs> there has been a Kingdom Hearts article posted and I've read maybe a couple paragraphs of it already. So you'll want to make sure you check this out. Click the link in our show notes. You can also follow him on Twitter. Go give him a follow. He's a great follow. And Geeks Under Grace are dear friends of the Infinity Bros podcast. But you did not come here for that. You came here for the Eternals spoiler review. We are going to spoil this movie today. We're going to rate it, talk about it, dissect it up and down. Mark just drove ran through a deer, ran through UFO sightings to get to this episode of our podcast to tell you about it. So I'm going to make sure that we put the link. I'm just, forgive me. I'm going to put the rating of how we do things and how we rate things on this show right here. Here on the Infinity Bros podcast, everything is ranked from a zero to six point scale. Zero meaning horrible and six meaning absolutely excellent. If all of the Infinity Bros rank something a six, it gets an Infinity Snap. I said rating, but it's rating system. Words are hard. Also, I'm going to go ahead and put the spoiler review right here. If you haven't seen Eternals, from this point on, we're six minutes in, but from this point on, we want you to know that you're you're going to only hear spoilers for this this movie. So if you have no intent of being spoiled for Eternals, stop listening. Come That's back later. too damn bad. Stop listening. <laughs> and well, well, we're going to do a quick review on the front end, but I think with this one in particular, typically what we've done in the past for our typical listeners is we'll do a non-spoiler review. I think with this one, it just does require some discussion on some things that occur. So we're not going to provide that this episode. So from this point on, this is just spoiler. One. This is prepare yourself at infinity bros. Prepare yourself. Spoiler. Eternals is uh, the newest MCU movie. It's uh, the synopsis reads, it is the saga of the Eternals, a race of immortal beings who lived on earth and shaped its history and civilizations. It was written and directed by Chloe Zhao, uh, written by Patrick Verlay and Ryan Furpo. It stars a slew of characters. Gemma Chan returns for those that some, some that you, some of you may know, she was in Captain Marvel. Uh, she she had a kind of minor role in that. She actually thought she wasn't going to be able to come back, and then Kevin Feige actually approached her about the role of Cersei. 
Uh, Richard Madden plays Icarus. Angelina Jolie plays Thena. Salma Hayek plays Ajax. Camille Nanjiani plays Kingo. Kit Harrington plays Dane Whitman, a.k.a. the Black Knight. Leah McHugh plays Sprite. Brian Tyree Henry plays Fastos. Barry Kogan plays Druig. Lauren Ridloff plays Makari. Lauren Ridloff, the first official death MCU superhero. LJ and Mark, do you can you remember another death superhero in another franchise? Like I, I don't think I can think of one. No, I, I can't. I, I think I can think of deaf actors and, and actresses in other movies recently, but not like any superhero stuff at all, really. I almost said Daredevil, but he's blind. <laughs> I thought Daredevil too. That's funny. Um, Bill Skarsgård actually plays Crow. Bill Skarsgård, many would know. Mark, obviously, you. The movie's It. He plays uh, uh what's the what's the clown's name? That Pennywise. Movie? Pennywise. Thank you. Um, Has Steelman plays Ben, uh, Fastos's husband, and since we've already spoiled it on the front end, Harry Styles plays Eros. I want to pause real quick on this. I'm in, so for those that don't know, I do a youth ministry called The Young Life. And on Monday night, I'm sitting in a living room with 40 kids. And no lie, LJ and Mark, there's a girl that looks at everybody and goes, did you hear that Harry Styles is going to play Eros in the new Eternals movie? Uh, slash Star Fox. Right, but she said Eros. Mm. Like, Harry Styles is so popular in pop culture. He's so hot that- right now. <laughs> well that's the episode's ruined mark thanks hope you're happy always We're nine minutes in and you ruined it hope you're happy no I, I i couldn't believe that this girl spoiled it and she loved harry styles so much that she had to drop that eros was in in the post credit scene i just thought that was bananas i just had to pause yeah because she may not realize how like that's a big deal to a different crowd while it's the actor for her. Yeah, exactly. And like, I don't think I've ever seen something more spoiled on Twitter and Reddit more than Harry Styles. This, this was like, I mean, I knew about this weeks ago. I knew about this before this girl said this, but (laughs) this was just like, for whatever reason, the Harry Styles crowd is really into him. And this was everywhere. People were very excited about this. So he does play the brother of Thanos, if you gotten to this point. And then uh, Pip is played by Patton Oswalt. Um, and there's a brief, LJ, I told you this, but Mark, this will be news to you potentially. There's a brief question to Dean Whitman at the end from a character off screen we don't see. A Chloe blade. Zhao did confirm today that that was Mahershala Ali playing Blade. That was Blade. So uh, That's great. Of- which I think is fantastic. I don't understand why they didn't just show him. All right. So to come back to Patton Oswalt, do we get a multiverse meeting of Pip and the Modoc from Hulu? Yes. Thank you. That's all. thousand percent. You're welcome. <laughs> Boom. I've gifted you this. Thank you. Uh, I also forgot to say, uh, Mangdong Suk plays Gilgamesh and Harish Patel plays Karun. Forgive me. I forgot to say those guys as well. Um, so we're first going to, uh, let me, let me get into a little trivia real quick and then we will talk about, our ratings real quick there's a couple things i want to make sure i talk about uh the cast and crew were evacuated from the canary islands in november 2019 due to the discovery of some bomb remnants from a military shooting range near set apparently richard madden and angelina jolie were present on set and evacuated that day Uh, i talked about Gemma chan on the front end according to camille nanjiani chloe Zhao used 
practical effects for the film and did very little green screen, which it to me, that was very obvious watching this. All right, so now we're going to talk about our non-spoiler reviews of this movie. Uh, for those that listened last episode of our podcast, uh, you heard that I was going on Wednesday. So I went on Wednesday. LJ went on Thursday. And then Mark brought up the rear. We're recording uh, November 5th. Right Mark. where I like to be. <laughs> Mark. <laughs> um, so... Rock well, and the Scott rear. Higa both laughed at that. So I Scott Higa just busted a gut for sure. That guy's a pastor. Oh man. <laughs> um and so uh so Mark just got out fresh out of it. I've had a couple days to sit on it and LJ is on it. So LJ, you are our guest. Why don't you go ahead and uh give us your brief over broad stroke review? You can talk about spoilers if you'd like and give us a rating. Cool. Um I I did have some issues uh, with it uh i i enjoyed it but i feel like it would have been even better if it wasn't attached to marvel like i, I feel like it could have been a really cool movie on its own and uh, i mean there was still a lot of a lot i did like uh, there was also some pacing issues i think and then there was some weird there was there was a couple scenes in there that just felt kind of random to me like they just kind of happened all of a sudden um, so I am going to give it a four out of six. Four out of six. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go next, Mark. I'm going to let you bring up the rear and cause I'm, you, I'm just, I want to wait a little longer to hear what you think. Um, I got to see this on, on Wednesday, as I talked about earlier and I going into it. So last episode of our podcast, one thing I said was I am worried about the rotten tomatoes score. If you have listened to this podcast before, you know that I am a believer in the Rotten Tomatoes system. I think it's a good system. I think it helps measure critics and their feedback and really gives you a great score that can really help you and assist you on fringe movies and choosing what you want. There's obviously specific movies from my perspective that I'm going to go see regardless of the score. This is clearly Mm -hmm. one of them. But for me that's just a good system that I like to use. And I was nervous when I heard that Eternals, which today as of November 5th is at a 49% on Rotten Tomatoes with 285 reviews was such a rotten score. And obviously it's the first rotten Marvel movie ever. That's the last piece of trivia we can also say, but personally I'm happy to report that. I think this was a great movie. I, I actually don't understand the negative feedback. So LJ, I'm interested to hear just your perspective. A four is still a good score, but I'm interested to hear the things that struggled for you. Mm. I do concede that this was a slow movie in the middle. I think that was going to happen regardless of a two and a half hour runtime. Oh yeah. Um, I think they had a lot of building to do with 10 different characters. And I just really, really love this movie. I was surprised at how much I loved it. Um, I've been a big Captain Marvel fan on this podcast. I think this was better than Captain Marvel, personally. Um, I give it a five out of six. Makari gave the best lines. The, the thing that Chloe Zhao did really well in this was she let Makari have the most powerful lines, and she told those using sign language. I thought that was a really bold choice. There was no villain in this. I really thought that was a bold choice. And I think it's bold of Marvel to introduce the Celestials and have a real dialogue about it because the Celestials are kind of the end-all be-all of everything. So this is kind of, to me, the signaling of the MCU is going to be ending in the next 15 years as far as I'm concerned. So 
Uh, five out of six. I think this is a great movie. It opens a lot of doors. I really liked all these characters. If you checked out our TikTok page, I really liked Macari. I liked really liked Athena, and um, I obviously really liked Cersei and Icarus. And I thought the choice to make Icarus and Mark, I'll let you talk about this too. The choice to make Icarus the bad guy was the most bold choice that I've seen in a long time bold, for these kinds but you of could, movies. Like, see it very bold into it. Say it again. I, I knew 20 minutes into it he was going to be the bad guy and it made me sad see to me i did not see it it was not clear to me oh, yeah. i kind of thought that it was just a joke when they went back to that house in south dakota i was like he's the only one that can fly it makes sense right so mm-hmm. for me i didn't see it good for you mark i'm i'm proud of you man good job i yeah, i didn't thanks. see it and i i really enjoyed it i really really thought it was a great plot twist and uh yeah so Okay, here we go now. We're good. All right, let's roll. Okay, so, Mark, where where do we leave off, Mark? Oh, yes, the genitals. Yes. LJ, question for you then. So you talked about how this one drug. From your perspective, would this be a cutting issue or would this be an issue of the whole story needs to be redone they need to consider less Eternals or they need to consider making this a two-part movie or I've heard a one piece of feedback that I've read online since watching it is this is a better suited for a TV show because you can give each individual character more time. Is that what you would have wanted when you heard and watched this movie? Uh, I think what threw me off uh, was the jumping back and forth mm-hmm between the flashbacks and the you know the modern times and and, and stuff like that like it, it was just kind of like jarring because it's like oh okay we're here now and then we're here and then it just the the hopping back and forth is what kind of confused me and then what especially confused me was uh the first scene that made me go huh was the fir- uh whenever ajack whenever they find her body and i'm like okay, like, why are we just like, oh, we're here and she's on the ground all of a sudden, which obviously we learned later, but that was like the initial thing that kind of got it going for me. And then there were other times where I forgot like, oh, there's still other Eternals they have to go get. And so that's where it it kind of drug a little bit, not too much. Um, the, the thing that's messing me up too is like Dune is a recent example of pacing I enjoyed from a long movie. And I think that movie set a standard for me to where, like, that movie had some buildup, and then two hours of it went breakneck speed. And so, like, I understand that, like, that's a hard thing to balance in such a long movie. So it, it was the back and forth. See, that's that so me. interesting, because for me, I felt Dune was so boring. And this mm. is obviously not a Dune rating episode, but... Right, right. But, right. like, I, I despised Dune, LJ. This is so funny to me because I give it like a two out of six, maybe on a bad day, a one out of six for Dune. And Mm, so for me, I enjoyed the the way that they went back and forth and it worked for me because it felt like the transitions were smooth because that's the big piece of it, right? Like you have to have a line or some form of a memory triggering going back and forth to, to make it work. Man, that's interesting because for me, Dune just isn't a narrative that worked, but for you, it did. And mm. I, it, I'm glad you brought that yeah. up, LJ, because for me, when I when we walked out of this, me and the, the kid I went with, 
as I referenced earlier, Dune was brought up by him. He brought Dune up mm, because he's okay. like, and we talked about it on the way there, actually, ironically, too. And so Dune, to me, felt more political, whereas this one is clearly more of a humanity, humanity, humanity study. It's just a study on oh, humanity. Definitely. And they're two different genres and how they're doing things. But the similarity is in the length and the quantity of story they're telling. And I really actually the pacing worked for me. So it's so fascinating for me to hear you guys say that a drug, because I do agree that a drug at certain parts, but the going back and forth for me actually gave me more character development. And maybe that's the reason I'm so attached to these characters now in a way that I wasn't anticipating going into it. Mark, from your perspective here, Chloe Zhao talked about how Final Fantasy really influenced her and like ancient aliens and like, you know, these science fiction movies and shows really referenced it for you, for her. What did you think of Celestials and and what did you think of this concept being inserted into the MCU? I mean, this is one of the biggest concepts in comic books and this is one of Jack Kirby's babies. What did you think of this? Um, were you just talking about my my thoughts on Celestials? Like that's what yeah. or like okay. Well, I want to touch on your Chloe. Maybe I'm asking more of MCU Celestials because I do think that Celestials in comic books are a little more powerful than what this Celestials this, are. What you said, like she took reference to like these other, you know, properties or subjects, and it, and it always makes me think when I hear, you know, people who work on these comic book movies and shows, and you're like, well, why do you reference that stuff when there's a slew of comics you could have read and referenced. But I digress. Um, I saw... I thought she did a good job, you know, with these Celestials, making them pretty grand. But it made me... Like, when I saw it in the movie, and I... Also, I think this is the first Marvel movie where we had a... Uh, um, what do they call it? A, um, a crawl at the beginning of it. Oh, yeah. We had one of those. Yeah. And... Uh, oh, yeah. And kind yeah. of explained the Celestials and what was going on, blah, blah, blah. And... It made me think there that I remember seeing a list earlier this week, and I hope maybe I can go find it, that talked about the oldest living beings. And it was like, Celestials aren't the oldest living, because, and I don't remember who what were, but it was like, everything, like, it started with the first one, and it's like, you know, beginning of time. And it's like, then before time, then before our universe was created, before that universe was created, it just kept going down the list. So it's like, well, Celestials really aren't the most powerful thing. And what made me think, like, oh, what can defeat a Celestial, maybe, Galactus, who is older than Celestials. So, can't wait for that to happen. Yeah, that they definitely opened the door for Galactus to enter the picture more, so didn't they? that's what I really loved about this whole movie, especially the the ending of this before, like, it goes to credits, where, um, what's his name, the, the Celestial that they're working with, shows up, and you just see him. Like, out in the distance. Initially, I thought it was going to be Galactus, but it made more sense, obviously, for the movie. Um, that it was... Was it Iris or something? Like, not Iris. Um, are you talking about Tiamut, the one that died on, no, no, on no, no, Earth? No. Or are you one, talking about the one they worked the for? The one that they worked for when he shows up. Arafret? Sure, Arafret? whatever. I, yeah. But yeah, I thought, yeah. Yeah, overall, <laughs> some some very old name. Overall, <laughs> that, you know, that's what... Uh, you know, thought they did a good job with that and you know coming back to the two and a half hour runtime it's like they really did fit in as much as they could to give you as much context and believability even though it might have felt like it dragged on so 
there's that. Yeah, this this was such an yeah. undertaking for Chloe Zhao to to try to introduce ten characters at the same time, give them as much balance as you possibly can, attack the conversation of oh, and make you like you know diversity care about some of the characters, and then they have them killed off. Some of them. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. They did enough where it's like when they got when some of the characters mm-hmm. got killed, I'm like, I'm like emotional. I'm like, no, no, I liked that one. Yeah, I liked it. I liked Ajax. <laughs> I I really did like Ajax. I thought I thought her heart for humanity was the strongest piece of. I, I thought I thought Ajax's heart for humanity was the strongest of the characters towards humanity. Yeah, it was kind of the saving grace. Of no the doubt. I'm, and yeah. I think they all had love for humanity, e- even Icarus. I think Icarus had love for humanity. Mm-hmm. I really do. And I think that's why his decision at the end to kind of betray the Eternals and allow Tiamut to rise from Earth was a difficult decision for him. But, I mean, Gemma Chan is the heart and soul of this. And, man, I got to tell you guys, as for me... When I heard that Kevin Feige was like, we got to bring back Gemma Chan from a literal non-existent, not important role in Captain Marvel. I don't even know what her character's name was in Captain Marvel. It's, yeah, it's, it's been so long yeah, for yeah. me. I don't even remember. And just like for him to go, we need to have you in it and you need to play Cersei. Cersei's the heart and soul of this movie. And I really, really like Gemma Chan in this. I thought she did an cr- incredible job way better than her portrayal and anything she did in Captain Marvel. And the love relationship with Icarus was so fascinating to me and so just earned. This was the most earned relationship in the whole movie. What did you guys think of the Icarus and Chimichan Cersei relationship? Mark, you talked about he didn't want the sex scene, but like aside from that, what what would what would you add on that? Um I mean it definitely set up you know what happens at the end that event yeah obviously this dude loves her and is not going to kill her um as far as a relationship like would they say they were together like as a couple for 500 years or something like that it had been 500 years mm-hmm. since they had broken up okay i think they said yeah, centuries they've been together years. they were together yeah. for f- like 4 or 5000 years well, but they'd been broken no, up for 500 years they came 5,000 BC, and they don't. He doesn't tell her she he loves her until like 425 BC. So, Jeez. so talk about a long time to so, tell somebody. And that's them. where it made me think. Like I thought they said they were together 5,000 years when it was like the beginning of the movie when she talked about it, or when um Black Knight I think made a reference. But then it's like, well, clearly they're only together for maybe 500 or a thousand years. So that's why I thought that got convoluted. So like that's why I'd like to go back and watch it again and see if I just heard that wrong. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, you know, initially you're, we're thinking we're going to get, um, or I thought we we're going to get more Black Knight, but obviously that sets up to the end. But yeah, they really made us. Yeah, like, I want to talk. They, were they going to fall let's, back let's, in love and stuff like that? But you know, they did. They don't. Right? Yeah, let's save Black Knight discussion for the end when we talk about the post credit stuff. <laughs> LJ, what do you think of that relationship with Cersei and um, Icarus? I I liked it because we don't really have many examples of great relationships in the MCU, really. Like, the only one I can really think of um, is, like, Banner and and, uh, Natasha. And it's just, like, that... And that's really not a a great choice, in my opinion, either. But this... 
this was really cool. I, I thought that, like, yeah, they didn't necessarily need the sex scene, but I felt like it, it did show, like, okay, there was in, intimacy there. Um, also, for context, I knew very little about the Eternals coming into this movie. Um, and I know, I knew a little bit about the Celestials. So it's like, all of this was... Yeah, LJ, nobody did. Uh, So I was... Dude, dude, like, you don't have (laughs) to apologize. I I mean, you're not apologizing per se, but like, I think that's something that like... I come from a common perspective. And and let's be frank, if if anybody's telling you today, oh yeah, I was a big Eternals comic book reader. No, they weren't. They they weren't, because... (laughs) Everybody that I know that's into comics, I literally only know one person that like the seventies and eighties. So like, totally, they better be forty plus if they're mm, telling us. It's a very niche market, and I told Mark on last episode we were on, I I only cared about the John Campia show perspective because the other individual, Michael is his name, who 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 goes on that show, is a clear devout Jack Kirby fan. And that was the guy that I wanted to hear from. I didn't want to hear from anybody else because, for me, I was like, I don't want to hear from your perspective. I want to hear from the person who actually would have read this comic book. And I just think that's something that, like, if anybody tells somebody right now that they're an Eternals fan, they're full of crap. (laughs) Like, I, I, I just, I don't believe it. I don't believe you because it just has never had a big run. Now will it have a big run moving forward? Well, I do believe like that Guardians is where it's headed now. When they announced that, everyone's like, "What? Who's yeah. that? There's a raccoon?" And Who? Oh, no, <laughs> well, the Guardians <laughs> yeah. of the Galaxy mark, that at least had some form of legs. Man, I at least was well, aware of the I Guardians knew of the Galaxy raccoon okay. from a video game. I I, I at least knew no who legs. they were. No, Eternals had nothing. They, they, they have apparently they got generals too. I just knew that Jack Kirby wrote it. That was all I knew, and I think this it's it's a really it was a really bold choice. Um, let's talk about some of the other characters that are in this. Um, let's talk about Kingo. What did you guys think of Camille Nanjiani's character as Kingo? Obviously, Camille Nanjiani loses a ton of weight, becomes basically very built for this role. Spelt and that's what I'm saying, dude. Smoking. Hmm. I love how I, I read something about how they told him that he didn't need to go that hard. And, <laughs> and I was like, that's great. He still like, works out and, eat help, and needs help because he's like, I've just done this for so long. Right, right. Like, I don't quit. Um, Dude, his jawline yeah. could break glass. Dude, that dance scene, like when they first <laughs> yeah, see dude. him like in the present day, I was just like, this dude's like, he's hot. He's hot now. He's hot. He looked good. He looked great. I'm going to say it. I don't care. I don't care. I'm married. Mark, Mark. I he, will not say out it. of the four out of six I gave this movie. He garnered three of the four. I thought I, this is what Marvel <laughs> movies are all about is having someone that has comic relief. And he presented that I felt through majority of the movie. And I thought he did a great job. I love how and he literally too, shoots finger what, guns. It was like, yeah. His ability is finger guns. That's a great <laughs> point. Thank you. And he can kill <laughs> if he wants to. So these movies that have oh, been yeah. out right, recently that have like energy like shots i'm like we need a live action dragon ball z movie but i digress let's move on dude yes. th- th- that is a great point of how he was like able to build up his power levels yeah. to make huge strikes that was so cool yeah. um and i liked how mm-hmm. he was an actor and his side character who walked with them and really that. represented that a great touch to have um great his, like, call his valet with him 
Well, basically. Well, and he (laughs) that that character represented humanity. The whole movie, the whole Mm -hmm. movie, he is speaking on behalf of humanity, and I really appreciated that. His gratitude at one point too was just amazing. Like he, they were having a conflict, and he was just grateful that they were there to help the world. You know, and I also think that in a day and age where culture is such a it's a hot topic item for specific people. I think this movie balances mm-hmm. that well. It gives you cultural moments that are fresh, fulfilling, but also, and this is what's most important. They describe the character in which that, that character was enmeshed in whatever culture that character was enmeshed in. That culture is getting a spotlight. Yep. And I think that really worked well in its favor in this movie. And so the Bollywood scene in particular was just a huge win and the description of yeah. Kingo's he's been playing his great great grandfather and his great grandfather and and I think that was just a brilliant way to talk <laughs> about like how can you continue acting for centuries well here's how and I really really liked that and I, I liked I liked his arc I really liked his arc I liked that he wasn't in the final fight I really liked that um yeah I thought that was an earned moment um that's how that character rolled and I, I I agree, LJ. The fact that he did finger guns and pew pew, like I just think it's that's just so perfect. <laughs> that made it slightly funnier. Like it, not that it was trying to be, but I was correct. Was just I nice agree touch. completely. It was it was a nice touch, and it just works well for Camille and Johnny. A uh, sprite uh, who can project lifelike images, played by Liam McHugh, had the twelve year old body and frame, and this kind of presents itself in a challenge. And obviously, at the end, they they make her human again, but. That was the question I was wondering was how are they going to end this with a 12 year old? Like, how do you do you just recast new girls every time you do this? Or like, what did you guys think of Sprite? Mark, go ahead. Um, yeah, I don't know how I felt about Sprite because it's just like, like I, I get what their ability was. Um, but in like the grand scheme, it's like, did we like, obvi- I think they're playing something more down the line to obviously not have sprite killed and turn them human obviously so they can grow older to like does sprite eventually get their power back or or what what's gonna happen so right but then you know you get the whole like you know you needed at the end some betrayal on top of just icarus because sprite is you know we you know you find out and might know before you know everyone else finds out that Sprite is like in love with Icarus and you know, dude, that blew my mind when she went with him at the end. It's very human. Yeah. It's a very human emotion. And I, I really like you know, that. About Sprite. I really like Sprite a lot. Gods wanting to be like humans and humans wanting to be like gods. That's what Marvel's always been about. So, yeah, I, I thought, I thought sense. she did a great job and I'm looking forward to watching that character grow. I think that I think that was a really smart touch to keep the same actress growing through the future. Um, and, let's talk about and Lauren Ridloff. And if, um, oh, good. Uh, Cersei, you know, gets her hands on another celestial. You know, she can empower Sprite back again, or make Black Knight into a giraffe, and then they'll do some weird stuff there. So, and then we'll get our first sure. scene of that. In a Marvel movie, you think? Sure, Down yeah. I'm looking forward and, to the Black Knight. The, the Black years. Knight being a giraffe. Yeah. And that's what ends the 15 years of MCU and it restarts like a um, like a flashpoint and then we start a new Marvel Universe. There you go. Uh, did we like Druig? 
Druig, Barry Keoghan. Uh, this was great, too, because this is like a true Scottish actor, too. Yep. So his accent was just really, like, dense. and Like, I couldn't tell if it was Irish, Scottish, or Welsh. Like, it just confused yeah. me. Like, it was such a... I liked it. It's probably such a niche or very sect, like, accent in wherever he's from. That's what I felt. I loved it. Mm. Yeah, I, I loved it. I yeah. thought he was great. I really liked his power set, and I loved the scene where... Druig is discussing with the other Eternals how he could control the whole planet and how he's just frustrated with how they make decisions. And he loves humanity. Like, it, it, the whole movie is setting you up to think this guy's going to become the villain. That's what I was going to say. Like, I would expect him to join that Icarus, was, he but he doesn't. doesn't. He loves humanity despite the fact that he can control when, them. When we, when we saw him leave and then all split yeah. up, I'm like, when we come back to him, he's going to have a cult. And that's kind of what he had. That's Totally. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I, I really, really, really liked this character. And this is, uh, Mark, we talked about this last week on our episode. When somebody zigs when we're expecting a zag, that's that's exciting. This is what that character was. He um, said what everybody else in the room thought. He did not um, fall into what the cookie cutter mold is of what, you know, the mental manipulation characters are. And ultimately, I think Barry, Barry Keoghan really crushed his portrayal of love for humanity. I think every character loved humanity in some regard. It's the reason they stayed. And... Um, yeah, I thought I just really was moved by his performance. I it's 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 a big for me. If you're listening, a huge part of this movie for me was how they portrayed their love for humanity. I, I really think they I think all 10 crushed that and the dilemma of making the choice to allow Tiamat Tiamut, excuse me, to um to emerge or not was such a real difficult decision for them. And I really, really loved I really loved that tension. Um, Don Lee as Gilgamesh, uh, the strongest Eternal, how he like boxed his power set was so stinking cool. I loved this guy. He was great. Yeah. Go ahead, LJ. He, he's my favorite. He's my favorite out of the bunch. Uh, and then we'll talk about Thena later, but I, I really liked the, where they put him and Thena. Uh, so, but yeah, I loved his power set and he was just a fun. Did you want him to fall in love with Thena? No, I don't, they didn't, I'm glad they didn't do that because they didn't need to. Um, it was very much a, like, almost like a sibling love or just like a genuine love, not like a, I have feelings for you love, you know, like that's, I really loved that about Gilgamesh. I do. Mark, any other thoughts on Gilgamesh? Uh, second favorite character, that's how I felt. I um, also agree with you wow. on his moveset. I thought was pretty sweet too. And, you know, one of the Eternals that gets whacked out and makes me very sad. But I knew that was going to happen. Well, right. And you got to kind of transition to Thena right after that because he makes the choice to protect yeah. her. And so Thena's tricky because there's a couple pieces of her character that are interesting. One, her her skill set is creating weapons, which is just such an OP skill set. And she's essentially mm -hmm. the greatest fighter ever. Um, but it looks like it's dance. It doesn't look like it's a fight. So I would assume we all enjoyed Angelina Jolie, but did we buy 
Because this was, for me, one of the things that I struggled with. Did we buy that her brain was recalibrating itself from all the times that they had been on planets? And obviously, a huge spoiler, we've already talked about it, but how they would birth different celestials and how she essentially was reliving those things and fighting those characters. Like, did we buy that plot angle or was that just too much? I believe that it was a way of them to not need to spend as much time with that character. Cause <laughs> okay. I would have, I would have loved to spend more time with it because she seemed like a very important like character as far as like who she was like to the world. And you know, where, you know, where her, you know, like where the Greek influence came from and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think it was just a way of putting her kind of in the back seat. Which was a, that's really shocking. Giving Angelina Jolie is is, is that actress? Exactly. That's really shocking. For I, like, I I loved her in this role, and and I did buy it because there was a point. I think it might have been around like when they made up some disease. For her, and I had to remember, it's like, well, Mark, you gotta stop basing this as like it's a, re- a real movie, like based on reality. It's a comic book movie, so it's gonna follow comic book tropes, and think some things are just gonna be what mm-hmm. they are, and nothing more is gonna be explained about it. And you just gotta dispend hmm. disbelief sometimes. Hmm. Um, I'm with you there. Um, th- th- so I want to talk about Fastos, a couple different things here. Um, so another piece of trivia is in, uh, it Fastos. Was it Fastos or Fastus? Fastus? Yeah, I don't, Am I wrong on that? I, I mean, I'm not trying to correct you, but I, I can't remember, even though I just saw it. Well, I think you are trying to correct me, Mark. I think you just need to. I think, I, I think it's, oh, it's yeah. Fastos because the go. name comes from. Yeah. Hephaestus. So Mark, if you're going to correct me, just step up and correct All me. All right. Well, I don't, I don't like stepping on your shoes because you're a very <laughs> sensitive person. And then I have to hear about it like oh. three days later. Oh, now we're okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Well, <clears throat> oh, um, <laughs> podcast over. <laughs> Max. End of episode. Max left. Um, <laughs> three days later. Um, record. <laughs> <laughs> I love that it's three days later. Well, you know. I need a full 72 hours to get over the fact that you frustrated me. Um, <clears throat> I really liked Fastos, and I'm not even going to talk about his power set. I, I One piece of criticism that some reviewers of this movie are giving is that they're, um, that Marvel is using big events in human history to create pathos for specific characters. And for this character... He goes to Hiroshima and uh, the nuclear bombing, and this is the moment in time where he makes his kind of decision that he really is not as for humanity as the rest of the Eternals are. And from that point on, he makes the decision to go live another life. Obviously, he's also the first gay uh, superhero in the MCU depicted. For me, I've been telling people that that Hiroshima scene is one of the most powerful scenes in the whole movie. I really, oh, yeah. I really I loved Brian Tyree Henry's performance. He's Paperboy in, in in Atlanta as well. If you're familiar with that show, I think he's just a tremendous actor, and I really, really loved this character. He he, for me, this is my. You guys have spoken high of Gilgamesh. This is my Gilgamesh. I think Fastos really just crushed this role. I really loved him in this. I loved his balance of humor, but also being serious. Um, I love how he was able to hold down Icarus using his his technology. 
I like his intelligence, but also his charm. Um, I, li- I liked his relationship with his son. I think that was a really fun thing to watch. And I, I really cannot wait to watch this character in the future. Um, and I love just how he'd use weapons, like how when they're fighting Icarus at the end and he's like using blasters. I thought that was just so cool. Yeah, and then how he like chains him up from the things he's already like launched Dude, out there. It that was, was just so cool. he was great and like just top to bottom and like wasn't that very people like were... um the group fighting Thanos on on Titan when they tried yes. to strap him down. I have, that was that vibe. That fight vibe against Icarus. So yeah, yeah. exactly. And and honestly the him being gay was a huge piece. And obviously for like China, they're not showing this movie because of that scene or they're cutting these scenes. And it, it, it wasn't a huge issue for me in the context of like, it wasn't overwhelming for the story. I thought it was very fitting well to the subject of what needed to get talked about. And oh, yeah, was it different than most heroes? Sure. But like it, it, it didn't, it was no different in the context of that character than him getting married to a woman and having a kid. So I don't, I'm not going to say these people walked out because of this, but it was odd timing if they left because of this. Um, When that kiss happened, two people got up that were like two rows in front of me and like left. I don't know if they like had a thing going on or that was the reason. So I don't want to, you know, say rural Minnesota is anti, you know, gay or whatever, but uh, that did happen. But, you know, there was, like, 50 people in the in the audience, too, so uh, they could have left for some other reason. But and, I thought it was very, very coincident, co- coincidental if that wasn't the case. Yeah, if you're not going to this movie because of that, then you should have done your research ahead of time. Is is kind of... <clears throat> yeah, the timing yeah. of that seems like oddly that specific. Yeah, that sounds very specific. <laughs> and, you know, it's a long... It's, yeah. like, a passionate kiss, like, you know, you would have with a loved one. Yeah! So... Yeah, like, yeah, I, my loved one is going to die potentially. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, there there are people in this world that you know don't like that sure. stuff, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, com- coming from a, a background of, of faith, uh, specifically for for me, like I I enjoyed how it didn't feel like pandering. Like, Completely, there's agree. a lot of stuff. Yeah, like it it, and I I enjoyed that about it. It just you know the it's a thing in in our world, and you know that's. You know that's their lifestyle. Um, more recently, I, I've enjoyed how like there's there have been other shows that and other things that don't pander with it. Like Brooklyn Nine Nine was is an is another example to me. Like you know there's a gay couple in that, and you know it just feels like they're normal people. Like you don't have to blow it out of proportion or make it such a big deal, and it can just be normal. And I appreciated that. With I did too. Like, I I I really did want them to beat it over the head and. Honestly, like the how right. much they marketed about it beat it over the head more than the actual movie. Um, and, right, and right. that was so that whole scene was not nearly as bad as, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Selma Hayek is Ajax. I talked about this at the beginning. I, I really loved how Selma Hayek portrays this character. This is a gender bend of the original character, Ajax, and how she just leads so well. I will say, Mark, one of the thoughts I had going to internals was that Ajax was going to be the bad guy because Ajax has the direct access to the Celestials. And so I thought that she was going to be lying about what the Celestials were doing. And I really, really liked that it ended up she was just the heart and soul of this. Mm -hmm. She she was the matriarch of this. 
and that made her uh, femininity, maybe is the word I'm looking for, so much more powerful in this. And it just made her so valuable to the team. And she is the rallying point. And similar to, to Coulson in the original Avengers movie, but in a much more nurturing and loving way. And I really, and Selma Hayek didn't have a lot of like role in this movie in terms of spoken lines, but her presence is felt in this. And it's like the fairy godmother. I don't know. It's, it's, it's just a really, I really liked Ajax. Mark, what'd you think of Ajax? Um, I could probably just say exactly what you said. I would piggyback right on that. It's like, yeah, she was. Oh, come on, get on my back. Let's go. Would like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> very much. Like going into this, I thought she, her character was going to be the villain, um, but you know that really wasn't the case in this movie. And very much like the mother to like these nine, and like, and very. I'm pretty sure, like, I would, you know, it, like that would be an extra scene I actually would like to see is like her. And South Dakota, like, sad that she's not with her family anymore. Like, basically her family. And and that's very much, you know, she was the humanity of the whole group and did care and was planning before she got killed to find a way to stop um, the, what they call it? What was the event called again? Oh, the emergence. From happening, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, like the scene with her and Icarus, how she did not have any frustration and anger and how her immediate reaction was just like, oh, I led you down the wrong path. I'm so sorry. Yep. Just like <laughs> you you referenced it earlier, uh, LJ, but for me, in my perspective of my faith, I was just like, that is mm-hmm. grace. That. That's, yeah, it's, un- it's an unconditional. Exactly. That is like thing. parenthood. That is just what that is. Yeah. And. I thought, and, and normally Selma Hayek is put in these roles where she is more of a sex icon is maybe the way I'd put, I'd put it. And I thought this was just such mm-hmm. a refreshing role for her. And with the limited time she was on screen, she executed every time she was. And that Icarus scene mm-hmm. at the end with the where he throws her to the deviants was just so powerful to me. And a huge piece of that is because of her. It's because of her performance. And so, yeah, I, I really loved it. Any thoughts on uh, Ajax for you, LJ? Uh, she was one of the characters that um, I feel like we, I would have liked to have had more time with her, but also the the timing for her death, I think, had to, it had to happen uh, for the plot to move on. But also, like, I, th- I was kind of disappointed that, like, they didn't show, like, what happened, because I'm like, oh, like, this really important character is just, like, mm. dead all of a sudden. But then it it made it more impactful for me later because then I'm like, oh, okay, that's how it happened. That's why they didn't show it at first. But uh, the the transition to South Dakota was jarring at first. But then like, I like how they did end up making sense out of it later. But I I would have liked to see more of her. But also the limited time we had with her was very purposeful. I loved Makari. I said it on the front of the show. I think this is the best speedster in the MCU. This is my biggest hot take from this movie. Um, I think she's a must. This this is the best Eternal to me. Um, every single big line in this movie, the biggest line at the end was the truth will set you free, comes from the hands mm-hmm. of Lauren Ridloff playing Makari as a deaf super speedster. This is how you do a speedster, Mark. Mark, in the next Flash movie, my expectation is Makari is the bar. Wait, what, what uh, I, I, the I, bar? I really <laughs> am holding... Like, I, I, Go ahead, what? What, what, 
what makes it the bar. Like, I just want to know. I think what makes Makari the bar for me is we didn't just see speed. We saw her fighting Icarus. And her fight scene with Icarus was head and shoulders to me. The best fight scene, choreographed scene in the whole movie. Um, she's charming like Barry Allen was in the Batman so, versus Superman so universe. Let me stop right there. So what you want is better choreographed speedsters. That's what you want. So yes, I would agree with you on that. Yeah, I'm so okay. far through I, every movie I've seen, she's the best speedster. And my my question, the thing I would love to know about where speed comes from, it would have to be from where like you know, in Flash uses the Speed Force. I forget what Quicksilver used, but like hers has to be space and time basically through whatever the celestial gave her because so like basically she's moving right. space and time through herself to get where she needs to be in a sense yeah how does that celestial energy work yeah. through her that's a great question mark that's a gr- that would be fun to explore in the next movie that'd be really fun to explore yeah because you can kind of tell where the energy comes from in a lot of the other characters but her it's very unique i loved her couldn't speak more highly of her this was the biggest surprise in the whole movie. I kind of, I really was downplaying the fact that she was deaf, but it really was a strength for the character. They really did lean into the oh fact that she was speaking in sign language, the, and it was great. The most hard-hitting scene is when she yells with her voice. Yes. Oh, that just like, oh, I'm, I got mm. chills right now just thinking about yeah. that. Like, that's how, like, intense yeah. that scene felt to me, so... Oh, it hurt me yeah. to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. LJ, thoughts on Makari? Uh, again, another character I, I feel like we didn't get much more time with. Um, but I, I think uh, killing off some of the characters it is going to do well for some of these characters that are sticking around because uh, we see her in, in the ship and she's just like, oh, well, I'm, 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 I guess I'm done being bored, you know, like I'm... <laughs> Uh, which I, I really loved about the uh, about that. Scene. One thing I will say, LJ, uh, <laughs> did you think it was weird mm-hmm. that when she's sitting on the ship, she's listening to classical music? <laughs> oh yeah, she, well she's like behind the times because there's the jokes about like, or oh, DVD you don't even player. know what an iPad is. <laughs> she's um, deaf. Yeah, or but a DVD she's player. Deaf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she can read. But <laughs> yeah. She made the, she made um, the comment <laughs> so, earlier where the guy tried to steal something from her, and she said she can hear vibrations. And the voice, oh, that's fair. So okay. just like right. Beethoven, could technically still hear the vibrations of the music he, you know, composed. Same, same concept. That, so that makes like, sense. All right. Could so be. she's not. I mean, she's okay. Sound, but All right, like, you're you know, right, Mark. She'd still be able to. Her other senses would be heightened in a sense. In a sense. Mark, <laughs> Mark, you want me to say you're right? Yes, Here you go. I'm right you're right. You love me for once. <laughs> I love you. You're right. <laughs> History in the making, right here. Um. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, the the last question I think I have uh, uh, for her is like, so like, was she in charge of like watching the ship and make making sure nothing happened to it because like it just kind of sat there for so many years. I'm gonna say like, I never said, yes. I, guess. I think part of her just some people prefer to be hermits and stay in a safe spot. I that's how I interpreted that character. Safe. Yeah. yeah, that's true, especially for, you know, somebody, you know, with her disabilities and stuff, too. Like, yeah, I, it, it, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, let's talk about a couple other things. This, I mean, we've encompassed a lot by, by just speaking on the characters. We've encompassed a lot. Let's talk about the Icarus betrayal. I talked about it. Uh, did did you appreciate that story arc for Icarus? Did you feel like that was earned? Mark, you had talked offline with me about how you kind of saw this coming. 
were you cool with the Icarus storyline? Obviously, he is the main um, Eternal when you look at the comic oh, yeah. books. And that's what, you know, he's basically, Mar he's going to be, up to this point, Marvel's Superman. Even though Superman gets a good reference in this, I find odd. And Batman. And, and Robin, Batman, right? Um, that's so weird. Like, I wonder you know, what was got, up with you know, that. Okay, by Daddy Feige. Um, but yeah, that you know, going into this, I'm like, <laughs> okay, we're gonna get our Superman. He'll be a part of the Avengers. And then, like, you know, once we get back to South Dakota, I'm like, this dude's the bad guy. He's gonna be the bad guy, and I'm not gonna get him for the rest of these movies. And, you know, that's how I felt. I wanted, I wanted him to stick around, but his whole the arc of his character in this movie, I thought played out well. So. Hmm. Hmm. LJ, what about you? Indeed. I, I really liked the the switch. Um, I I loved how like they kind of looked at him as as the leader, and he's like, "Well, no, I'm, I'm not." And at first, it, be, it at first it seemed from a very humble angle, like, "No, she, you know, um, seriously's chosen." But then that's when we figure out, oh, it's not that he's humble about it; it's just that he's keeping secrets. Uh, I, I loved the switch and he was such a powerful foe that you needed multiples to take him down. It wasn't anything that one of them would have been able to handle. Uh, what made it even more like what made the arc even more perfect was his exit, how he just straight up flew into the sun. I was like, wow, like it was, it was an epic exit. I think an epic way to go. Like that is the, the, mo the most I've seen in any movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not dead. He's not dead at I don't all. think he's dead. And he better not be dead. Otherwise, I'm going to be even more upset. Because I was like, really? You're just going to have a dude commit suicide <laughs> on like another first yeah. for Marvel? Like, I agree. I agree. He's not dead. For all the firsts you want to do, Daddy Feige? And just, you know. Right. Yeah. I agree. I don't. I, it, that was just in. That was an homage to his Greek mythology character. Yeah. Yeah. Who they, flies too close to the sun. Beyonder. He becomes a Beyonder because of mm. that. Dude, I, that is a very, <laughs> very, very real possibility, Mark. I really think that. If I'm that. remembering my Beyonder lore correctly, isn't there some versions of the Beyonder where he does, or the Beyonder doesn't have, like, a, a true origin or whatever? Correct. So, really, it could be anything Ooh. in any certain cosmic situation. I totally foresee that. I totally foresee also, that being something. Awesome. Another actor, even though they killed two bigger actor actresses like Sama Hayek and Angelina Jolie... But I just feel like you don't cast, um, what's his first name, Madden, in this and not have him for more movies. So, Yeah, that was wild right. that they killed Selma Hayek right out the gate. That was wild. She will not be joining um, us for the rest of this journey in present day. No, she will not. Mark, I, you and I talked last week about how we thought Olympus was going to have a bigger oh, issue. To me, the biggest plot twist for this was that they weren't from olympus right like and was olympic or and the planet they said they're from olympia wasn't a real planet so right so it makes me think like are they gonna bring in greek or roman gods into this story or but well they're gonna bring zeus in technically so um i think they will i think it's just gonna come from thor yeah so it's not gonna be from eternals which i thought would make more of a sense, but you know, it is what it is. Right. Yeah. All along for the ride. It's. No, I'm with you. Uh, LJ, were you having an expectation of these characters showing up, or are you like, ah, eh, whatever, don't really need them? 
Uh, I'm not as familiar with, like, the Pantheon in, like, the Marvel Universe and, and how that's handled, like, even in the comics. Uh, I, I figure if Thor is a thing and, you know, they explore his extraterrestrialness, like, yeah, they are going to have to touch on it, at least. I don't, I didn't expect much from it, and if, I don't think they're gonna get too deep into it in the MCU. Um, let me see what else I've got before we kind of get into the really juicy stuff. Okay, I think we can. I think we covered most of it. Mark, let's talk about the post-credit scenes. <clears throat> well, actually, no. I'm going to pause real I quick. I want to talk about one thing. I want, I, you might be talking about what I want to talk about. Go ahead. Um, gosh. When they, when the Celestial, um, I cannot remember his name, was, yeah, there go, was talking to Cersei about, like, you know, what they're all <laughs> about. And just, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. That was at, at um, Tiamut's the oh, one that my, was yeah, supposed to come out of Earth. Working for, yeah. and he's talking yeah. about you know what the whole grand scheme of what they do, and um, they were on a Arishem. Yeah, Arishem. Arishem. That's his they name. They were on a planet, and like some of the the deviant creatures, um, and I can't remember the name of the creature. Looked just like from Attack the Clones. Co. The one with his name is Co. The ones with like the the like slicer hands, like the. Yes. And there was a planet that looked like Fluisha. Oh, yeah. What, what was it called? Felucia. There you go. Felucia. And kind of had the pe Like, I thought the people looked just like the Fluishans. So I'm thinking, like, did, did they just backdoor Star Wars in the Marvel Universe? Because technically it could be from a different planet and universe. Well, and Marvel does ago. own the Star Wars comic book, right? But they also had a Star Wars comic book when they were at um, um, uh, the Builder's House. I'm just blinking. Right. So, yes, know, they're being pretty meta with all this stuff. So, yeah, yeah, so that, that's are. what I wanted to talk about. Like, that's why I want to go back and just see if Arishim, I see that better. Like, and it yeah. Stands out. Like Mustafar yeah, and What If, that, you know? They like, said, you know, there's that. Yeah, let's. <laughs> you know what, Mark? It is something we should talk about. Let's talk about the the Celestials. This is such a huge deal that they have Celestials in this. And we got a little bit and of Celestials to me, in. Guardians of the Galaxy with dead ones. and Right, but we haven't gotten, like, full tilt Celestials that are alive yes. right now. because like, we're and, supposed to presume and, that they were dead up until... Correct. And Erishim approached Earth. So, so two big... The, the two big things that happen in this that, like, basically every character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe saw two things. They saw Tiamut come out of the water, yep. and they saw Erishim approach Earth. And pull three people off of it. Mm -hmm. Everyone and their mom saw Erisham. <laughs> Everybody. You can't avoid that and one. And it's behind uh, the asteroid belt, too. It's like, that's how far away he was yeah. and how big he looked. That's how big yeah. he is. The scale There's no awesome way that the Avengers him. can beat him. Yeah, they would need someone like, of cosmic powers. They're, they're going to need, and, and this is where the post-credits kicks in. They're going to need... <laughs> the infinity watch they're going to need doctor strange they're going to need these potential other characters you know um obviously in, in uh, guardians of the, two right in, in guardians of the galaxy three we're gonna get um oh adam, Ad, Warlock, adam thank Warlock? you we're gonna get well, these characters well, you know, that can fight stuff. these kinds of characters adam warlock is basically the one who gets everyone together Adam Warlock is a yeah. huge deal. Like they is a very huge deal. What Hulk does, you know, with warning everybody, 
because like in the comic it's, it's with him warlock who does that so right I, yeah anyways yeah anyway, i anyway. i was just i lj that's a great way to that was an eloquent way to put it the scale of the celestials was just remarkable and the yes. the fact that the eternals really thought like we're gonna go against the celestials <laughs> totally made sense why kingo made the choice he did he's like i'm not doing that I really respected that from him. I really did. I was like, oh, you know what? I get it. I get why you're doing this. I get why you are holding back from going against that. That's a very, very big mm -hmm. threat. And it's it's basically, aside oh. from Kang, probably and, the biggest threat out and there. He was full, and I think all of them were fully aware that you know, Celestials are super powerful. So, like, there's really nothing they could really do, but mm -hmm. they were going to do... I mean, the ones that <laughs> were still alive were going to do what they could to help stop the Celestial from emerging, so... Yeah, we're totally going yeah. to get, at some point, a conflict with the Celestials. And how they do that is going to be wild. Yeah, not not to, de not to de derail anything, but from my lack of knowledge is... What so I feel like we touched on it earlier. What's stronger, Galactus or the I mean, Celestials? That could be up for debate. I mean, you could say Celestial is the stronger okay. one, but Galactus is a consumer of worlds and is outside our okay. current known or the MCU's current known universe, who got cosmic celestial powers from a when the other universe died, and transferred over. So in a sense, okay. if he can eat worlds and it's also supposed to be this massive being. Well, and he's you know, he's a remnant from another universe. No, he's, not just another universe, like another, like <laughs> I, the whole grant, like this, you know, multiverse. Well, what is it? Okay, is what I'm saying. If I'm remembering my Galactus lore right, because he's not a celestial. He's, not, he's, he's not, technically not but, a celestial. But the universe he right, was in right. was dying, died. Right. For some reason, he got this cosmic energy, and then our universe was born, Big Bang, whatever, created, and then he now exists and has gone you know, has existed as long as time's been going on in this universe. So he yeah. transcends. But then there's universe. other things that okay. transcend him too. That's where, like, going back to earlier, I mentioned that there's, you know, there's a list out there that talks about the oldest beings in the Marvel Universe. Right, right. That's what I was thinking of because, like, I wonder if, you know, we talk about this big celestial conflict. I, I wonder if that's where... Yep. Fantastic Fantastic Four is yes. going to come into it, and maybe where Galactus comes into it somehow. And like That's going to be huge if we get to see that on screen. Also, the Beyonder can also be tied to being even older than Galactus, too. So, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, <laughs> and it's a comic book, so, like, you could literally... Whatever the origin or the sex right. or gender of the character, you can switch and make up whatever you want and tell that story. And so, like, you know... I, I'm all I'm all for that. It's like so like whatever is currently out there in the comic book lore, they can change to fit this story because they do that in comic books with these characters every few years. So, well, and and right. and you could even have Galactus fight on behalf of them against the Celestials, or vice versa. The Celestials fight Galactus. That I think Ooh. it's more likely that the Celestials fight Galactus and Galactus kills the Celestials. And yep. that, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. I want to that see that is on how screen. we get this huge conflict. The Celestials then approach the Eternals, and then the Eternals approach the Avengers. And that's how everybody gets together. And then once that conflict's Ooh. done, then you do have something like the Beyonder Mark. Then you do have something like the Multiverse with Kang step in and go, all right, it's battle world time. And and I, I just, 
yeah, it's it's wild, but it's like we this. I know this is we are way into the comic book weeds on this. Like, however, I've successfully derailed. This is some wild stuff going on. Do they really make it that grand though? Because that. That might yes. be over the head. Hundred percent. They can I just go see these movies. No, 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 so? no, no. It won't because if are you we, have no, it where, won't be. Where majority is smartened up to this stuff to to a point. Like you, you just. I think slow, as long as everybody is you the stuff into our mouths, we'll just we'll eventually just eat it all and love it. But if you just like shoveled it in, we no. Be like, they have to uni- they, they have to unite, Mark. No, That's the game plan. They, they have to unite everybody. It doesn't matter past that what you do. Unite, but just like. Celestials fighting Galactus, Galactus fighting the Avengers and Eternals. Like there's there, and then the Beyonder might be coming in here with Battle World. You need the Eternals to so fight a Celestial or a Galactus. Invasion, and then there could be another secret invasion <laughs> and another secret war, and then and, and then another, another civil um, war, and then another <laughs> war happens. All right, Mark, we got to move on. We're I'm so we're winded right now. <laughs> We're, we're past an hour right now. Uh, Dane Whitman, obviously, Black Knight. He's a ve- Kid Harrington, a huge disappointment for me. And I haven't said this in any of my review. But this is a disappointment to me. His his limited screen time was disappointing yes, I to wanted me. more. I wanted a little bit of Black Knight. More than what we got. I did, too. I think it's ridiculous. He, he was a I casualty think, of the 10 we already I had. think it is absolutely foolish that we didn't get to see him in Black Knight. I, I hate it. Yeah. It was, it was one of the huge poor errors on their on their call um post credit scene we we talked about at the beginning we get harry styles uh playing eros aka Star Fox, and then we get pip played by um <laughs> Patton oswalt mark this was surprising i'm so pumped that Patton oswalt's playing it's him. so good he, i knew he'd eventually find his way back into the marvel universe for the third time so well, in the yeah. way, and and I like that they're setting up the Infinity Watch. This yep. is a great way for anybody from the Guardians of the Galaxy I, can step off now and have a spot to go. When it was that rainbow color, I was like, "Is is Thor showing up? Are we gonna get Thor to show it up in their in their spaceship?" But yeah, Glad that would have been well. I had to look up Eros, well, and I'm well, fortunately for, for you, Mark, you hadn't had that scene spoiled three weeks ago, which is surprising just you, by you, serving <laughs> the net. Well, you you do that to yourself. You like to be informed. No, on on that one. No, Mark, on that, that one, really that was just like it was truly spoiled. I'm just surprised because you know I actually enjoy Harry Styles. Music, the worst and kept I didn't, secret. Like, run into that with you know, what would just pop up. It's dude. These Harry Styles girls have been spoiling that crap for weeks. <laughs> it's like it's <laughs> bananas. It's absolutely bananas. It's it's like. The most under like any Marvel fan that's been waiting to watch this movie, and if you didn't know that Harry Styles was in this, I tip my hat to you, because you you must not be on your phone because well, it's been I've everywhere. Been staying away because I haven't seen Venom two, and I know there's two end credit scenes I heard were pretty juicy. So like I do my best to stay away from this stuff. I know what the end credit scene for Venom. See, and is. I don't want to know until I see it. You need yeah that that's fascinating. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a different topic for another day. We're not going <laughs> to talk about that around Mark. Thank you. Um, so we get that scene. You're welcome, Mark. And then we obviously get the scene <laughs> where Dane Whitman is trying to use the sword because Cersei is taken from him. So he feels an imminent threat, needs to go. He, as he's reaching for the sword, the sword appears to be reaching back in some way with an organism attached to it. And then we hear an off-screen voice that Chloe Zhao today, November 5th, has confirmed is Mahershala Ali 
Holy crap, guys. I, I thought it was him. That was his voice. And then when I went online, I was like, oh, yep, it's Blade. So. Yeah, I need to watch that scene again because I wasn't sure what was going on at first. But the more like we talk about it, I'm just like, okay. It makes I have no idea that. why they didn't just have him in the scene. Because they like to tease us, Max. Yeah. Like, you want more. I, well, I, I wonder if it was a, a filming thing. He just couldn't be there. It could be. COVID, all that jazz, or he was busy. That's true. That's a good point, too. Mahershala Ali, just, that, that just would have made a big deal to have him in the room, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I think everybody's been... This is like the first nugget of like Blade's inclusion to the MCU now. So I think I think we're just going to get more of it, and we're going to be waiting. Yeah, this is great. That, hey, we're going to do another run of Marvel movies, and Blade's going to be a part of it. And Blade's going to be a cornerstone. Yeah. Yeah. Do you yeah, think? Hear me out. Crazy. Hear me out. Hear me out. When when Deadpool eventually on. arrives into the MCU, does Deadpool make a reference to once knowing someone that looked like Blade? Hundred percent. Oh, thank you. When, like they gotta do oh, yeah. stuff like that because that's that's what we no, love. No, Deadpool. Well, Deadpool, Deadpool like will that. be the human MCU encyclopedia yeah. of everything that came before. Yep. <laughs> that's his job his job is to make the audience remember the crap that we had before if they do so we appreciate where, what where comes some universes get folded into other ones like he he would be one that might remember the X, like you know what the X-Men were right so, yeah well, great episode today, guys. Uh, you can check out Eternals right now. It is in theaters, so make sure you go check that out. It's not on Disney+, Plus, but when it comes out, make sure you watch that here in a couple weeks. LJ, thanks so much for coming by, man. And uh, we had some technical difficulties this episode, so thanks for sticking with us, man. No problem, man. I'm happy to be a part of it and honored to Just consider yourself week. part of the ex- in extended Infinity Bros. universe, LJ. <laughs> You're part of it. Right uh, I, I do uh, guess... Uh, Articles well, that's what I was going to say. Also, yeah, so. you, you just stole my thunder. <laughs> you can read more about LJ Sorry. on the Infinity <laughs> Snap. On the Daily Snap, excuse me. Isaac's going to kill me. On the Daily Snap on our website, <laughs> theinfinitybros.com. Just check the link in our show notes. You also can find out more about Geeks Under Grace, which uh, LJ is on staff for. And you can check out LJ on Twitter. Just scroll down on the show notes. I talked about it at the beginning of the show, but check that out. Support LJ. Follow him. Support him. He's the man. Uh, Mark, I thought you were okay tonight. I thought I was okay as well. Um, just glad that you let me be here. And when we had these difficulties, you didn't kick me out of the room. Um, I thought about you it. You did. Um, I <laughs> am pumped to see this movie again with my beautiful wife, Kelly. Got to make that plug. And thank you again. And thanks, LJ. For sure. Yeah, I'm for really looking forward to seeing this movie with Sarah next week. I agree. I think this is... One thing about this movie that I really like is that it is a movie that will be better, I think, with multiple viewings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. So cool. Well, uh, thank you, Infinity Bros Universe, wherever you listen, however you listen. Thanks for making us part of your podcast experience. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Discord, and Twitch at the Infinity Bros. As always, we'll love you guys 3000. We'll see you later. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Infinity Bros Podcast. You can find the Infinity Bros on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Infinity Bros. Feel free to send listener feedback via email at infinitybrospodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>